Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. I want to first thank my Heavenly Father for blessing me and waking me up this morning. I also want to thank my loyal listeners for joining me here at Precious Predicaments. I'm kind of on Facebook Live right now, too, and I'm looking at my big old head and with this light getting on my nerve. But I want to thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, today's topic, we're going to be talking about parenting responsibility. Because as a parent, we have a great deal of responsibilities when it comes to our children, and we owe them that. And for many, many years, many parents have depended on the school system in order to educate our children. And now that we are in this pandemic, a lot of individuals feel stuck. And, Stephanie, I want you to know I'm bringing you on a Facebook Live. I just pressed the button to bring you on. So it's adding you so you could be on my Facebook Live, too, because I've been trying to get you to call in on the show. But, um, again, so today's topic, we're going to be addressing parents' responsibility as it relates to parenting your children. And with what's going on today, many parents are conflicted as it relates to their child's health, making sure that their children are being educated or receive a proper education despite what's going on in the world as it relates to politics. Because it seems like our children's health is in one category and politics is somewhere else, and a lot of individuals don't know what's going on, and we're very, very confused. And with all of this confusion as it relates to the return of school, new evidence has been brought out that suggests that young children can spread COVID-19 more effectively than adults. Now, this is causing a great deal of anxiety for both children, teachers, and many parents. So let's talk about it. So if you're out there in Facebook, we have this platform. I want your voice to be heard. I want people to know that you're concerned because people are listening. So let me log on our first caller as this person has been waiting. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio, number ending in 1-4. How are you doing? Okay, I can't hear you. Here you go, 310, number ending in 1-4. Okay, let me log on the other caller, then. You are on. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Pressure Predicaments Blog Talk Radio, number ending in 4-4. How are you doing? Good morning, darling. How are you? I am well, and I was waiting on you. Because <laughs> this is going to be an interesting conversation, especially as we're talking about parenting responsibilities. And we know, Mama G, you got a show, and you talk about parenting with a Ph.D. And with what's going on today, many parents appear to be conflicted as far as their role. Now, we all agree that, yes, school and education is very important. But with what's going on right now, people are scared, and some are perhaps paranoid. I shared a couple of weeks on the, on the radio show where I was walking to my car, and I heard a child screaming, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. And kids right now, the anxiety that they're experiencing, the depression, parents are afraid, 
And we're seeing now that even with people going back to school, I was watching on um, CBSN that they had students testing positive, teachers testing positive. What do you think, what, what do you want to add and what, what do you want to talk about, Mama G, as it relates to this topic? Well, first of all, I I need you to pray for me because today, 11 years ago, exactly today, my third child went home to be with the Lord. He passed away today. So I needed something. I'm glad you had your show because I needed something to keep me going because I started remembering the hours and the time of what I was doing 11 years ago. So I'm glad I'm talking about something else today. But I... I'm conf- I am confused and con- conflicting myself because I have grandchildren, mm-hmm. and but their mother. I I have to thank God that she was highly educated in the system, to where homeschooling for her her is not so difficult as it is for some of the kids' parents that live around her. So mm-hmm. I was thinking those parents who are good in certain subjects call each other and help right. the other child with the with the subject that their parents not familiar with. So it's like a trade off. That mm-hmm. we can do that. Mm-hmm. But my main thing is have an organized, serene, quiet house. If your yeah. children are at home, you gotta the peacefulness, the cleansiness, the make sure they have plenty of snacks. And take mm-hmm. take those fifteen minute breaks after forty minutes of one subject. And if they don't know that subject, go back to it later. Put it to a side and come back. But you have to make sure that they have those breaks in mm-hmm. between. Now going to school, I I'm like, if you don't have to, don't go until you have a vaccine or it's safe to do so. And right now, I don't believe it's really safe to do so because some people in society think that they're superior and they don't have to stay at home and wear a mask. That's yeah. what's really frustrating me. These people in society who have all this money and got better insurance, they're still out hanging out having parties in their homes, and then they're spreading it to the other sectors in the community. And when you do that, you're giving it to somebody who cannot afford to go to the doctor, who cannot afford to stay at home with their kids so they have to work. They're not being, how should I say this? They're not being, they're not being sacrificial to the other, to, to other people. They're not being responsible. They're being inconsiderate. And our children, our elders are suffering. Our hospitals are full. You know, our, I mean, I thank God I don't work at a mortuary or something because they are backed up, booked, and people can't even have a, can't even bury their family members in peace. And the sad part about it is we start talking about children's health versus politics. I was watching on the news yesterday, and they had a young man, and he was a high school student. 
because part of this is, not like I said, our, our parental responsibilities, because we bear a responsibility to our children. And not only are we leaders for our children, we want to make sure that we are also receiving the truth and accurate information to even pass on. And many individuals are struggling with even trying to explain this to their children as far as should they go back to school, should they not go back to school. And this should not be a political issue. But one of the things I heard come out of the young man's mouth was he indicated that he don't like being told to wear a mask and that it should be mandated. But the problem is if we do nothing and let people do whatever they want to do, that's why we are in the situation that we're in. You know, it kind of takes us back to the second Corinthians when it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, I will heal your land. Right now, we're not seeing our land being healed. We're seeing it getting worse. And you talk about a vaccine. To be honest with you, Mama G, I'm kind of um, hesitant about a vaccine because I don't want nobody putting something up in me because we don't know. We don't know what to believe. We don't know who to trust. We don't know. We don't know, girl. And they're talking about using rats as guinea pigs. Honey, it seems like some of these rats are running around and running away, too. So people who know me know what I'm talking about on that one. But when we talk about, <laughs> these rats are like, y'all ain't going to be poking me with this stuff. We go. We out. You know? So it's like, how are you testing this? And it's becoming a competition. We're looking and hearing on the news. Russia talking about we'll have a vaccine in a couple of weeks. United States like, oh, hell no. You ain't going to beat me to it. You know, it's like, come on. And our children are our future. And if we wipe them out, what are we going to have? That's the scary part. And we start talking about that, and we have to help explain what's going on to our children. But how can we explain to our children what we don't even understand ourselves? What is your response well, to that, Mama G? You just have to ask God to give you the words to say and, the, and change your thinking. Mm-hmm. That's all I can do is say because... I'm a public example. I'm talking about another subject instead of dwelling on what happened today for 11 years. So we have to change our mindset. We have to. We just have to. And we have to ask God to give us the words to say and to explain to our children that, you know, life is, has a balance. Things are going to go wrong and things are going to go right. That's in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Everything has a time. And this is our time to be going through the wilderness, as they say, or having this pandemic. So we just have to be patient and wait on God and stay safe as possible that we can survive this, this, this disease, this famine in the land. That's I can't say Well, but yeah. you know what? But it is because people are dying. And with what's going on right now, they're talking about part of having schools open. We know there's a federal funding issue. We we get that. We, I remember them little white cards we used to have to bring home to our parents to sign. And if the parents didn't sign the card, they gave you a hard time. And if the family was in the military, they got more federal funding. I get that. I totally get that. But if I had a child, my child is worth way more than just that piece of card and that money and that funding. Now, and I also understand that even when we're talking about not only would our children be in concern and have an anxiety, so are many of the teachers. 
I wouldn't want to go to work and I got to deal with all of this. I'm a therapist, and I don't even want to go in the office. I'm telling clients, when they call me, I'm like, I'm not doing telehealth only. It has to be something really, really, really serious for me to have to go in the office and have to do one-on-one sessions with a client because I'm not going to compromise my health knowing that this stuff is going on. I don't, I gotta, when I leave here or get off the show, I got to go run to the post office, go to the store, and I'm like, dang it, I don't want to go nowhere. And then even when you were talking, I was like, well, you know what, I'm done at 6 o'clock. Maybe I could stop by your house and, you know, pick us up something to eat. But just do something because we don't want to be stir crazy, but we do have to be mindful, and we also have to find ways of reducing people's anxiety whether it's the teacher, whether it's the school administrators, you know, whether it's even the janitors or even, you know, individuals working in the cafeteria. So we're getting a lot of information, but we don't know if we can really trust what we're hearing and who's giving us the information. What is your take on that, Karen? Because we don't know who to trust, who's not to trust. Well, Proverbs 3 and 5 says, trust in him. So we have to trust and see that he's going to guide us. Uh Uh-huh. We we just have to do that. I mean, uh, I tell my people on the show that, you know, called me up and said, how am I going to do, especially the elderly who need to go Uh to the store? I said, well, I told my I told one of my grandmothers, I said, the stores have certain hours now for those uh-huh. who are high risk with uh, diabetes or whatever and who are over 60. You have to get up early in the morning, but there's nobody in the store at 7 o'clock in the morning. You can mm-hmm. go do your grocery shopping at 7 o'clock and be safe and then take your behind back home. Mm-hmm. Well, so, and you know what, and that's true and that's helpful. A lot of individuals were shopping even online. But even as we're talking about, you know, when we talk about the importance of school, because like I said, education is very important. And there are some benefits right. for kids in school and socializing because at least we know that they're going to get a hot meal, a nutritional meal. We get all of that. But by that same token, we know that it also has a lot to do with making sure that um, child abuse is being reported, you know, because kids go go home and they go tell the parents, I mean, they go to school, they go tell the teachers everything that be going on in your house. So I, I totally, totally get all of that. But right now, with the stuff that's going on, we got way too much to be dealing with that's far more important. So I'm trying to multitask because I'm still on Facebook Live as I'm, sharing this information, but you know, and, and I, I want to go back, Karen, to what we were talking about in the beginning. We were, they were, we were told that children were not acceptable to the disease, that, you know, that they basically would not be able to catch it. We've been given so much false information, and I'm looking at this information, and it's coming from the Harvard Medical School, and it talks about coronavirus outbreaks in kids. And they basically give us some information, advice on, you know, play days, social distancing, and healthy behaviors to help prevent the infection. Because you can try to prevent the infection with your child, but what about other children? And and it talks about how does COVID-19 affect children? 
and even children, including the very young children, basically they can develop COVID-19. We've been watching it on the news and individuals were talking about the age of different children and this is the youngest child. But we start talking about that and even though that they can develop it, many of them have no symptoms. And those that do get sick tend to experience milder symptoms such as low-grade fever, fatigue, and cough. And some children have had severe complications, but this has been less common. And children with underlying health conditions may be at increased risk for serious illnesses. So that kind of sounds like what they say in regards to adults because we have some children that have diabetes. We have children that have hypertension, you know. Now, even though these complications that are, are more recently been observed in children can be severe and dangerous, so one of the things that they're looking at is they call a multi-system inflammational syndrome in children, and it can lead to life-threatening problems with heart and other organs of the body. So with some of them symptoms, the fever can last one or a couple of days, children can have a rash, they can start having uh, conjunctivitis, meaning redness and white part of their eyes, stomach aches, vomiting and diarrhea, a large swollen lymph node in the neck, red cracked lips, a tongue that is redder than usual and looks like a strawberry, swollen hands and feet, irritability, and unusual sleepiness. So when we start talking about even with parents, you know, Karen, I know when I was raising my children, my son would get sick every Friday. I figured he was getting sick because he didn't want to go to school. But, well, <laughs> I'd be like, uh-uh. My, my daughter would tell you, I was notorious for go to school. If you're that sick, they'll call me, and you'll get sent home. My kids used to be, man, they was like, we got to go to school anyway. Nope, go to school. Let them send you home. So, but right now, like I said, we can't do what we used to do when it comes to parenting our children when they were sick. So when do you need to bring your child to the doctor during the pandemic? Meaning if you have any concerns about your child, call your doctor's office for advice. And many practices are offering phone and telemedicine visits. And that's remarkable how things can be addressed that way. So you can still call. Don't just ignore it. Because when we talk about with schools that they have closed, and it's okay to have babysitters or child care and people in the house and that's giving exposure to illnesses in their home. But the thing is, you've got to be careful with who's coming in and out of your home, and especially kids that are living with their, you know, because we have some situations, Karen, where children are living in multiple, multiple generations where you've got grandparents and great-grandparents and all of that in the same house. That's right. that.
the um, COVID officially, but may be a major driver of the pandemic as well. You know, men, like I said, we've done some things, and I don't know what we're being punished for, but now the disease can be placed in your children, and the children can spread it. This right here is no joke. It's no joke. Where he may have no symptoms, but then now here you are sick, not realizing that the, the illness is going to came from something just that simple. Now, one of the things that they studied, and they said the researchers found that although young children had a somewhat lower risk of the infection than adults and were less likely to become ill, children age 14 and younger transmit the viruses more efficiently to other children and adults than adults themselves. Their risk of transmitting COVID-19 was 22.4% and more than twice of that as an adult between the ages of 30 and 49. So while we sitting there we're talking about the adults that are out there being risky, children are not being risky, but now they're being carriers and we don't even know. And that don't mean be afraid of your kids. That means we just have to be more open-minded and we have to start taking care of ourselves. And I like what you said, Karen, in regards to parents getting together that may have more experience in educating their students or their children. Because I remember I was working at a school recently, and after school, we basically had to um, – I was sitting in a kindergarten class. Girl, some of that information in a kindergarten class, I got a master's degree, and I didn't know. And I wasn't ashamed to learn from the kids. So, <laughs> I'll be one of the parents where my grandkids would come home and be like, Granny, I got two Fs. No, the teacher gave me two envelopes. I opened up and got two L for F for me and an F for my grandchild. So I'm not going to sit up here and say that I know this stuff because I don't have the patience, but I understand. But uh, to be honest with you, if I have to, if one of my grandkids call me and say, Granny, look, you got to homeschool me, I got to do what I got to do. It's just that simple. So I'll be calling some teachers that I know, some tutors, some It'll be like, look, we got to figure this out. I'm not going to just have my kids out there like that. I have the ability to be at home, so I I just got to do what I got to do. Hey, we have to do it. And see, see, some parents don't have that mindset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some parents still have that mindset. I ain't doing that.
So when I was sitting in that little kindergarten class and I'm watching how they're doing shapes and how they're doing math and the way that they're getting these children to think is totally different from the way we were taught when we were kids. Totally different. And when I was in school, I got in trouble in high school where my teacher and I got the same answer and my teacher marked my answer wrong because she, the, the man said that there was no other way you can get this result. I showed this man step-by-step step how I got to that answer, and he said I was wrong, and I wasn't wrong, but he didn't like the way I thought. But I was able to figure it out a different way. So, But the thing is, like I said, we're going to have to do better by our children because we have to protect our children. Now, if our children have to go back to school, and like I said, you got to know the signs, you got to see what's going on, but we also have to take some steps to protect our children as well as others. One, we've been talking about clean your hands. Using soap and water and alcohol-based hand sanitizers, we got to do that. Avoid or sick. So individuals that are coughing and sneezing, stay away. Put distance between your children and other people. And children to use an older should wear a mask. We got to get out of this ignorance and this defiance of, I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want to wear a mask. But we're seeing, though, too, Karen, many individuals that are being defiant and not want to wear a mask, they're dying. They're getting sick. They wind up on ventilators. I'm not trying to be that hard-headed. And clean and disinfect high-touch surfaces daily. And when we talk about launder our um, items, including washable, sometimes you got to wash their toys. you got to, you know, watch what they touch. Because kids are really full of germs. They, they really are. And I think that's part of what some of the um, teachers are also afraid of with children going back to school. So you talked about the spacing, you talked about the cleanliness, but one of the things that we're seeing, Karen, is our schools are really not ready. They're not ready for this. No, they're not. And it seems like they had enough, they had, I'm going to say enough, but they had a lot of time. Because we're going back as far as, what, March, April, and now it's August, and our numbers are higher now than they were Back then, and I'm not want to get caught up on just the statistics of the numbers because I know the numbers can vary, but we do know this virus never went nowhere, and we do have to make sure that we can try to make sure that our kids are being educated, and we have to come up with a better system to be able to determine where they are in regards to their progress as far as what they're learning and what they're not learning. So we we do need to definitely be mindful of that. Now, and also we have to make sure that we are also, in regards to this, communicating with whatever it is they want us to do, whether they we're going to go back to online, whether we're going to go to the point to where we're, um, people are homeschooling, but we do have to make sure we stay in touch. So, so I, I have a question for you. And Uh-oh. not only just question, but when we're talking about um, the kids and are they ready to go back to school, because some school districts have already opened. I don't think the Oceanside Unified School District has opened yet, which is basically where we are. And like I said, I have a granddaughter. One is on her way, supposedly, to middle school. Two will be in middle school, um, two in high school. One of them is basically preschool. But my concern is how do we prepare our children and listen
listen to our children when it comes to their feelings. What are some of the what some advice that we can share with some of our parents in regards to not only the teachers being worried, the kids are worried. How can we address that in a way to where we're not only addressing just their mental health, but also their emotions? Well, there is a prayer that my grandchildren used to repeat with their mom. She would she would tell them, Thank God for waking us up and they would repeat that. Thank God that I can walk and talk and they would repeat that. She would allow me to be a good student, a good listener and have good behavior. And they would mm-hmm. repeat that. And then she and then she would tell them, Remember, God made you for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And he wants you to complete your purpose. So mm-hmm. don't be afraid. Be proud of who you are. And she would mm-hmm. send them to school. Mm-hmm. And see if well, we're in a pandemic. So mm-hmm. we we have to tell our children that God wants us to be safe and be smart, mm-hmm. be nice, be obedient, pay attention, because your life depends on you. I know it's difficult that you can't play with your friends right now, but just be patient. I'd rather mm-hmm. for you to be lonely here instead of in the ground, and I can't do anything with you. Yeah. See, and you have to teach them. The, you have to teach them the reality that if we don't be smart, we can die, and we won't be able to hug you or kiss you or anything anymore. And yeah. God wants you to live as long as possible. He does mm-hmm. not want you to make your decision depend. Your decision helps your life. Correct. I remember when the coronavirus, my grandson used to always say, I don't want the coronavirus. I don't want the coronavirus. Then he went to, I'm tired of washing my hands. I already washed my hands already. But see, but we got to remember that children don't have unions. They don't have business interests. They don't have media strategies. And yet their <laughs> interest won't receive anyone else because this is their life. And like I said, some of the teenagers are to the point to where they're just going out, doing what they want to do. And a lot of times when we start talking about sports, because I thought about that too, I was like, you know what, we ain't got no football games to go to, no basketball games to go to. But we get all of that. And the information that I'm looking at right now is coming from the New York Times. And what they're talking about is they are far more numerous. There's more children than there are teachers. to stand loose in the years of education and social development from a year to year, we're talking about how are we going to do this. But we have to, and I want to hear from students. So if you have a child at home that's scared to go to school, I want to hear what the kids have to say. I want to know how the children are feeling about this because nobody is listening to the children. They're looking at it from a perspective of, and, and I know Karen is a learned behavior because my mother was like, you going to school. I don't care what you do. I'm dropping you off at school. 
And I thank God that this pandemic wasn't going on in the 70s or 80s because we really would have been in trouble because many of our parents back there were uneducated. They didn't really know how to um, educate or teach us, so they depended on the school system. And even today, a lot of parents are dependent on the school system. But like I said, they're not listening to the children. Now, what I'm looking at, and New York Times got a survey, and they want to know, how are your kids feeling about returning to school in the fall? And how comfortable do they feel returning to the classroom? They want to know what the kids got to say. They want to know what are the ideas for making it safer to go back to school, and how has online learning been for them, and how can teachers and principals make it better? So there are some individuals that are doing some surveys, and they're trying to see what's working, what's not working. What is your thoughts in regards to that, Ms. Karen? Well, I can see in some kids' minds they're willing to make that sacrifice and go to school because mm-hmm. home is being bored. They're looking at the four walls. They're not communicating with their friends. So, yes, some kids are ready to go back and do whatever they have to do to go back. Mm-hmm. You have to look at their minds. They've been at home. They don't want to be at home. They'd rather be in school than the teachers because they have looked at their parents through the pandemic. That's true. That's true. And you know what? And that has always been the case because sometimes schools have been some individuals out in a safe place, especially if there's some type of abuse going on at home, if there's some type of addiction going on at home, if the families are living in poverty. That has been a case. And not only just poverty, because you got some rich kids that parents are not paying them any attention and the kids are just ready to go back. Now, I'm looking at some information that I want to share with the listeners, and this is basically coming from Orlando Health, and it talks about 10 ways to ensure that your kids are ready for the school year. And these are some of the things, and this was written by a young lady by the name of Monica Teruso. She's a pediatric nurse. And she talks about returning to school and COVID-19. And although she talks about that while returning to school during the pandemic will be different for your child, it's important to reassure them that simple precautions can keep them safe. So meaning if the school can't keep you safe, we have to learn how to be safe. And as I'm doing this show, I'm looking at right now our governor is uh, is giving an update on the coronavirus. I guess I'm going to listen to that later. But one of the things when we talk about in regards to taking this precaution is plan to take and prepare your child accordingly. Talk to your child using terms and information that's age-appropriate. Very important yeah. that you use appropriate language. It may not be sufficient to remind them to wash their hands frequently, cover their mouth and their arms and coughing, Older children may have a significant concern about whether they will be safe in school. But they talk about some key points. COVID-19 is still new to everyone, so many people may become ill around all the same time. you got to teach them social distancing. Now, I'm an adult, and i got a problem with social distancing because my daughter used to tell me, even when I'm at Costco, Walmart, Mom, you're too close. Mom, you're too close. She was telling me that before even the COVID-19. 
So we got to remember social distancing, and it's required when we turn into school, and remind your child not to hug classmates. Karen, that's a big thing because kids like to be affectionate sometimes. Hand hygiene is the single most important factor in reducing transmission of most virus, so washing your hands frequently helps. And it keeps individuals safe, and wearing a mask can help protect your child from others. And I was watching wow. something on the this morning, or they had people playing volleyball in the hot heat with a mask on. I don't even like walking around the store with the mask on because I can't breathe, but I have to. What is exactly. your the things that I just said? Well, with the children, when I see my grandchildren, I go elbow. So you, you, we as parents, grandparents, and teachers, we have to say elbow, elbow. And I even taught Alfred, who's mentally challenged, when he sees me, but I'm his mom. He'll, I'll, I'll say elbow. He'll give me an elbow. Then he'll try to hug me, and I'm like, okay, Alfred, a, a, a virtual hug. Mm-hmm. But you have to always say elbow. You can teach. Their minds are not, we can put, their minds are like a jar with nothing in it. We can fill that jar with what they need to know. Oh, I'm really good. That's why I have a show. Hello. (laughs) I'm really good. So we have to teach them. It's elbow, no hug, elbow, elbow, elbow. Not even a high five. It's an elbow. Yeah. Another thing, Karen, when I was talking about parents' responsibility, it is the parents' responsibility, too, to make sure that your kids are up to date on their medical care. Hey. Kids fall behind on that. So we need to make sure that your children are up to date on their medical care and their dental care. And starting at age three, it's recommended that every child undergo an annual physical exam. This allows your child's pediatrician to address health problems and screen for potential issues. So, therefore, we'll know if your child has been predisposed or have a pre-existing condition because they've had their physical. So that's one of the things that is a parent's responsibility. Also, start each morning with a healthy breakfast. Make sure you feed your kids every morning. That helps, too. Because they indicate that studies show children who consume a nutritionist breakfast each morning have increased energy and better concentration in school. And that can also help with what they're going through. And plan ahead for school lunches as a snack. And also seek out a well-fitting and age-appropriate backpack. People don't realize, and I'm, I'm girl, I'm bad. You pick up my purse for that. I got bricks in it. But you want to make sure that their backpacks are not so heavy and prepare for a safer sport if they are involved in sports. And don't forget the importance of sleep. Karen, that's something we need to talk about is sleep. Because in order for our children to stay safe and be healthy, they need some sleep. What is your comment in regards to making sure that your child is getting adequate sleep as we're preparing them and what parents' responsibilities are? Well, if you want to be... I'm going to tell you something funny. Each child, I had a written schedule of what their time was supposed to be, and by 9 o'clock, everybody had taken 
taking their bath and going to bed. Mm-hmm. You had your playtime. When you got home from school, you had your snack. You talked to me like for 10 minutes. Then you mm-hmm. went outside for 40 minutes. Then you came in. You started your homework. Or if you had practice, you didn't have time to play with nobody because you were in a sport. So once you came home, you ate dinner. You took your shower. And then you did your study for uh, each subject for uh, 30 to 40 minutes. And you took a break. And then if you finish your subject and you had about, you can look at one 30-minute show and then you went mm-hmm. to bed. Everything had to be done between the time you got home and at 9 o'clock. Now, on the weekend, you got to stay up to like 10, 10.30. Mm-hmm. But sleep was important. I, I mean, even though my daughter had our time when we weren't communicating, but once she had children, she I laughed because mm-hmm. she goes, dang, I'm doing everything you did to me. I was like, really? But I was a crazy mother, right? <laughs> but that's that word. I talked about that last week. <laughs> I'm going to give you a break on that with Karen today. <laughs> but, you know, it's funny because as we were thinking about sleep, and um, I was thinking about Ryder because we have the hardest time trying to get Ryder to go to bed. So we got this trick now, what we do, is we'll just turn off TV. Ryder gets mad. So he'll be like, Granny, can I sleep with you, girl? He'll get in the bed, get the kick in me, and I just start taking pictures of him. Feet be all on my stomach, kick me all in my back. We can't get no sleep with Ryder in the bed. And he'd be knocked out, but he don't want to go to sleep. So I turn the TV off, and, and I'll hear something running. I'm like, Ryder, I'm going to get in my mommy's bed. I'll be cracking up because he don't want to sleep in his own bed. Now, let me log on a caller because we do have a caller calling in. Good afternoon, Mr. Jeanette, Precious Predicament, and I know this is Michelle. How are you doing, Ms. Michelle? Well, I'm hanging in there. How are you guys doing? I'm doing well. Listen, we're talking about parents' responsibilities. And it's interesting because you have children that have um, developmental disabilities, and they were going to, I think before you were talking about one of the schools or programs that they were going to, and is the program still open for them, or how is that going in regards to some of the new information that they're finding out from the CDC as it relates to children, them going back to school, camp? Because they had that camp in Georgia where all of those kids went to that camp. Well, not all of them, but I think it was with 500 and something kids or 800 and several kids tested positive, even though they tried to test them before they got to Well, when they got to camp, they're finding out that even though they're trying to do these things, some of this stuff is not working. So, Michelle, what do you want to share as we talk about parents' responsibilities and children going back? Well, um, I'm sorry, first of all, I'm sorry I started in late. I had to take care of something, and that's one of my no children. Is I um, well, so far, that is a question I've been thinking about because there's not been any issues at the at what I call it the play group. I can't tell my mm-hmm. kids it's school because it's not school. But I'm beginning to wonder, you know, because, okay, like you mentioned the one in Georgia, right? Okay, and mm-hmm. it's a camp. Now, What's going to happen next is the county, because the licensing 
in California licensing the over, overseas mm-hmm. um, this program. Okay, and mm-hmm. the director's not in today, but that's one of the questions I have on my list for tomorrow when I have a meeting with her, and I have a meeting with a regional center, is mm-hmm. now that this has all come out about Georgia and everything else, are they mm-hmm. going to shut it down for California? Now that my kids are used to going, and like my daughter came like, oh, I want to go to the group today, I want to go. She was here the crack of dawn, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. She couldn't get her to mm-hmm. go so early for nothing. And all of a sudden, now she wants to go. And I'm thinking, please don't shut everything down. And I'm, I don't know. I'm, you know, I mean, what if you can't make them wear masks? Because they're not going to make them wear masks in school. So I don't, you know, I don't know what to think. How can, so if you're testing negative, and then the next time you test positive, then what? I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, the thing is, it is becoming quite challenging trying to keep up with all of this information because they're finding out that some children are carrying it and children don't know no difference. They don't know. You know, you gotta tell you can tell when the kid's nose is running. They don't know. And the problem is especially when you have children with disabilities, because they wanna socialize. They wanna be around other children. And one of the things especially with children with disabilities is they need routine. When their routine is disrupted, that causes a problem. So, and I yeah. feel like with my behavior on the weekday versus the weekend. Karen, was you about to say something? Well, I am a parent of a disabled, developmentally disabled person. Remember, yeah, I know. And when mm-hmm. she said, um, my social worker called me. And asked me, how is Alfred doing mentally? Well, mm-hmm. I told her that we have a routine. We look at we look at his favorite shows. Then we do some little learning. Then he mm-hmm. listens to his music and plays his Nintendo game. But then now he's at my mom's house, and she has a lot of instruments. So he gets to play the drums, the guitar, and hang out with her. But for so, and then I got a call from a parent who's not who doesn't have a lot of activities like Alfred does, and she asked me could Alfred and him have a a day where they can hang out together like ride the splinter splinter with their gloves on and their masks on and riding from Oceanside to Escondido and back, and I agreed to that. So I'm going to let him spend time with one of his buddies. But now it all depends on the child's capability and where they are in their mental state or their disability. Because I have another friend whose daughter is wheelchair-bound, and she still has the daycare center for adults to go to. But see, Alfred is higher functioning, so he couldn't go there. Yeah. Because he was in a facility where he was working, and that got shut down permanently. Mm-hmm. So and this, I, I tried to, mm-hmm. I tried to tell the parents, find what you can. Mm-hmm. Hello. No, I'm, I'm here. here. And one of the things I want to say is when we're talking about supporting your child's mental health as they return to school, or if they don't return to school, because how parents can help their children navigate their feelings during a school reopening is very important. It's very important because kids are coming to you for information. 
We're depending on social media outlets, the news, and a lot of the information we're getting is not accurate. And then sometimes we don't even know if what's going on in the school, if the schools are even reporting it. Because if they're not giving you information at work in regards to people that are testing positive, they're probably not going to give you a lot of information about what's going on in the school system either. Because as we know that the coronavirus outbreak has caused major disruptions to daily life and children are feeling these changes deeply. And while the return of school will not only welcome, be welcome but exciting for many students, others will feel anxious and frightened. Meaning, what can you do as a parent to help your child with some of these complicated emotions? And again, if you're out there watching me on Facebook Live, give me a call, 516-387-1914, because I do want to hear your thoughts. The show is being heard in several different countries. We really don't know who all is out there listening. So, you know, if you got something to say, say it. Don't hold back and feel nobody's listening to me, nobody cares, because we're here to try to come up with solutions. We're not here just to, to gripe and complain about the problem, but what can a parent do? You know, my children are adults, so I have grandchildren that are coming to me with this. Now, it says, my child is scared to go back to school. How can I help my child feel at ease? And one of the things, like I said, is starting school and starting a new school year can be stressful and at best times, let alone during this global pandemic. We got, you know, I got a, a young lady, she's about to be a senior. You know, we're all excited about the senior pictures, uh, getting ready for prom, getting ready. This is my firstborn grandchild. But this year may be a little different for her. And so we have to make them feel at ease by having an open conversation about what's worrying them and letting them know that it's natural to feel anxious. Like I said, even as a therapist, I get so many phone calls. My child has anxiety. My child is dealing with depression. My child, you know, and I'm telling the parents, these are some things that you're going to have to talk to your child about. Even sending your child to me for therapy, your child needs to be reassured by you. Now, we know that children may feel nervous or reluctant to return to school, especially if they've been learning at home for months. And, and especially if that's the case, Karen and Michelle, but if one has already experienced a death in the family or one has already known of a family member that has been exposed to coronavirus, this actually makes them more hypersensitive. So we, yes, have, exactly. we have to encourage them to think about ways that they can bond and stay connected. We want to reassure children about safety measures in place to keep students and teachers healthy and remind them that they can also help prevent the spread of germs by washing their hands, you know, and all you, you guys talked about sneezing in the elbows. But we've got to make sure we reassure them. Now, I have another one. My child's school is recommended wearing a protective clothing, which is making my child feel more nervous. What should I say to her? Meaning, Karen, if they came and they told you that they want Alfred to wear a certain thing or do a certain thing, what will be your approach in regards to how you can share this information with him so he'll understand the importance of it? Well, Alfred is a visual learner. So mm-hmm. he and we have given him, by the way, um, I I have a Mama G mask now that's embroidered. Mm-hmm. It says Mama G podcast. And so I gave him one. And, and he puts it in a certain place. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So I told him, I said, I said, we have to wear the mask. If we don't wear the mask, we get sick and we can't do anything. Mm-hmm. So he, I have to, it's a ritual, it's a ritual that he sees me putting my mask on and then he'll mm-hmm. go get his mask. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, I, I, you I know every morning and then every 45 minutes, I say, well, it's time to wash our hands to keep the germs away. Mm-hmm. So we wash our hands in about every hour, 45 minutes or so. And so I say, if we're keeping the germs away, we're staying healthy. Yay. So we make it a pleasant thing to do. We have Correct. to. All right. I like that. I like how you make it pleasant, you make it fun, you make it entertaining, because when it then it doesn't seem like a chore or something that they're being told to do, because kids are going to automatically be resistant. Another one of the questions I have for Michelle is, how can I encourage my child to follow precautions such as, you know, the social distancing, physical distancing at school without alarming them? Because, see, we don't want the children to kind of be like, well, I can't touch you, I can't, you know. And I said a little emoji where one kid punched another kid and the father walked in and said, what happened? They said he wasn't social distancing, he coughed on me. You know, but how can we do this in a way to where the kids are not being so paranoid, but they're aware of why they have to social distancing? Because this also has to start at home. What can a parent do, Michelle? Well, at home, it's very hard because, well, I keep them as distant as I can, but, you know, mm-hmm. when you have a child up and says, Mommy, can I have a hug? You know, what are you supposed to do? Say no. Okay. So Ella, I, no, no, Michelle. Michelle, I have that same problem. You do elbow first. Elbow. That's our new love thing. It's elbow. Let's do the elbow. And then after that, you you do a, 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 a hug with a little distance. But you tell them elbow. Got a new thing going. Yeah, virtual hug. We have a new thing going. Elbow, elbow, and then and then you let them do that small hug. You you know you stand with your arms straight out and give them that hug. But mm-hmm. I, I I would try to hug me a lot, and I said, oh no, baby, elbow. We got to do the elbow thing. That's the latest thing. That's the hippest thing. Elbow, elbow. So, Karen, what you see is to see this at home, it will prepare him for when he's out in the world to remember elbow. No, I don't know. Mommy. No, you have to, you have to do it at home, too. Gotcha. That's you my point. You have to do the same thing at home and out there in the world. Gotcha, gotcha. So that's the purpose of doing it at home is to prepare him so when he goes out. Okay, another question it reads is, my child is not part of the same group as his close friends returning to school and is feeling more isolated. How can they feel more connected to the classroom and their friends? That's been a big issue, especially considering that many kids have already been taken away from children. And some parents were trying to do, like you said, the um, – the playmates, they were trying to do the drive-by where they would go by 
their friend's house. But how are parents, and what is the best advice that you can give some parents to help their children reconnect with their friends at school in a way that's going to be safe if they're either doing the remote learning or if they're in a classroom setting? What are some tips and advice for parents? Whoa! Um, children who are isolated, who are not in the group. Yeah, because I think that's, let me say this right quick. I think that's my granddaughter's issue. My granddaughter was transitioning from elementary school to middle school, and she was afraid to go to middle school because, first, you know, the class is a little different. In addition to that, some of her friends may not be transitioning to the middle school that she's going to. And her thing was, well, Granny, I'll just stay in elementary school. I'm like, why would you want to repeat middle, elementary school? Because she don't know how she's going to connect with new friends at a new school. And as a parent and as a grandparent, I was even last night, we were texting back and forth, and I was sending her little information, talking about your granny crazy, and sending her things to make her laugh so that she'll feel comfortable and knowing how to start new friendships. But what can a parent do? Ah, well, make sure she she has her faith. First of all, make sure she has the best outfit, her favorite outfit she has on, and that's mm-hmm. the key to confidence. Because my mother and my grandmother used to make sure I had the prettiest clothes on because I wore a brace when I was going to school. So, and in the 60s, a lot of blacks did not have charge cards to Sears and make copies. So, my my great-grandmother used to make sure, because I was the first grandchild and great-grandchild on my Mm -hmm. mother's side. So, Mm -hmm. the, the thing to that was, they made sure that I was dressed so pretty that people didn't look at my disability. They looked at how I acted mentally and how I carried myself. For those parents who have children like that, make sure they have their favorite outfit on to make them feel good, that, that, mm-hmm. that somebody would want to say, oh, you look nice. What is your name? And, you know, there's a, a, a thing I wanted to share, too. Um, one of my Facebook friends, and um, he has a um, thing that he's doing, and I said I was going to donate, but they're donating school supplies and money to people that are going to be homeschooling, schooling, and helping each other, too. So I'm going to post it on my webpage in regards to, because he gave me his cash app information, but I can't see it now that I'm on Facebook Live. But his name and he's collecting money to help some individuals that are going to be homeschooling schooling their children because some parents are on um, either disability or unemployment, which is ran out, and they may not have the financial ability to even buy school supplies. So we're trying to help each other out when it comes to things of that nature. And I want to share before we end the show, and it talks about how can I gently check in to see how my child is coping. Because as a parent, it is our, it is our ability or not our ability, but it is our job and our role 
make sure that our children are protected, that they're safe, that they're healthy, that they're fed, that they're clothed, that they have a roof over their head. So we have things we have to make sure we do as a parent. But it's also important to be calm and proactive in your conversation. Check in with them to see how they're doing. Their emotions will change regularly, and you will need to show them that it's okay. You've got to first be okay with your emotions in order to be okay with your child. And whether you're at school or at home, you're a caregiver, can't engage children in creative activities, you want to make sure that you're also teaching them, not scaring them, try to kind of keep them away from some of the news because it's so conflicting. And I know we're about to end the show, but Karen, what is something you can share with the parents that they can do to kind of help their children in regards to a check-in period? Because we got to not only start it, we got to maintain it in regards to our responsibility. What is yes, the final we word do. Mm-hmm. Well, you just have to have the patience that you need. It's, it's, this, is a, this is a time now that we need to have the patience and do Everything that needs to be done, mm-hmm. we have to like be it. obedient and follow the rules. Mm-hmm. Like everything possible. Gotcha. Michelle, what do you want to leave the parents when we talk about the parents' responsibility? What is your final thought that you would like to let the parents know as it relates to their responsibility, as it relates to their children, and returning back to school? Well, this is what I'm doing with my kids, and I just explain to them, and I have to repeat it over and over because, you know, they have disabilities. Um, And then the other kids, of course, I deal with and advocate stuff with, is that, you know, just remind them about washing their hands and staying clean and not spitting and not touching each other, you know, and we have to wear our masks when we go out or we can't go places, but... You know, and, and explaining that and reminding them, that, you know, why can't we go out to dinner? Because, the, you know, it, we just can't go. I mean, even though some of the restaurants are having outside, mm-hmm. it's so limited that it's very difficult right. to take anybody out to eat. So it's better mm-hmm. just to order the food and bring it in. So, mm-hmm. you know, we just start. I'm telling my kids, and I would do with my stuff, is that my parents that, you know what, um, we're going to have, like, a party. So now my daughter wants to have a party every week. <laughs> so it's like, you know what? That's okay. You know, but as far as hugging her goes, wow. I haven't like, got the elbow thing down with her yet. She wants hug, and she's nervous about not hugging me. And, you know, uh, she doesn't think I love her. So she's not understanding that. That's taking a little more time because I know about the elbow thing. And some kids can understand that more I'm functioning. So mm-hmm. just take your time. Just try to explain it to them and let them know that, that you're here for them. And that, um, like I said, with my girl, my kids are, I, if this playgroup continues, I hope it does for their sake because they're going, they're crazy at home. I mean, I, you know, she's, I, I didn't even, I wasn't sure if she'd even be able to laugh. But now yeah. she wants to go up today. So, you know, it's sad. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's going on with these schools. I've heard other schools in Indiana and other places have opened, but then you said, I saw the thing about Georgia, so what are they going to do, shut the schools down again? You know what? I don't have the answer. I was watching 
as we're doing this show. I don't know what they're trying to do or what they're going to do. I know that their lawmakers reach impasse over next stimulus package and negotiators in it at some progress but remain at odds over jobless benefits. They're still debating a lot of things. They don't know what to do. And this is I getting out of control. And even with our, not only in the, even though we talk about our parenting responsibilities, our responsibilities don't just end when we're talking about when our children each reach age 18. We also have to educate our young adults because I didn't even get into some of the things that's been happening with USC. They found that even in some of the colleges that some of the students are testing positive because they've been out partying, they've been doing things they shouldn't have been doing. So even as a parent, we need to talk to our young adults as well as our smaller children too because our young adults think that they're infallible and they're out there spreading it, catching it, and it's getting out of control. And, and I wouldn't want to have to bury my child or my grandkids. I really don't. But it is happening. It's happening. So our responsibility is to try to talk to them in a way that they can, we can get them to listen. And we want them to be able to trust what we're saying and believe what we're saying. We don't want to just be telling them stuff that don't make sense because they're going to go out there and do what they want to do. Now, tomorrow we're going to be talking about on our show, From the Pulpit to the Couch, what are you praising God for? Because even in the midst of this, we still have to have faith in God, and we still go praise him. Because we go praise him that this stuff gets turned around. So I want to thank you for joining me here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. If you're out there listening, please remember to keep my God brother Delano Blackwell in your prayer as he is hanging in there, but he definitely needs our prayer. So, again, thank you for joining me here, and along with Eric and Michelle, thank you guys. I appreciate you for joining us here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. Until tomorrow or next week, remember, you got this. Goodbye. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye-bye.